Hello, everybody. How's it going? This is the John D. Podcast. The John D. Podcast. Episode number one. Although I can't get my recorder to do... It says Project 10. I don't understand that. because I have not done 10 of these. But I've been... Pra- well, I've done some. I've been practicing. Whatever, people. Today's episode. It is Saturday, March 21st, 2020. Oh, what a crazy time, huh? What a crazy time going on in America right now. This is a... It's nuts, though. Wife and I are cooped up in the house. We've both been laid off from our jobs. The son's going crazy. He's seven, in case you don't know. Um, that's my story. I'm a John D. Miller. I'm a former comedian. I was a comedian for a little while. I still probably want to do it sometimes. I'm married. Got a seven-year-old son. He's awesome. My lovely wife, Liz, will be on the show from time to time. God darn it. I had this stupid smoke detector in here. Well, you're going to hear that until we get it fixed. But, um, yeah, so so my wife's going to be on the show from time to time. Liz, she's awesome. She's a great, great lady. And you'll hear her from time to time. Maybe the kid from time to time. Not really sure. We're going to have guests on the show from time to time as well. Some guys are just characters, people you should know, uh, all kinds of interesting things. Also, we're going to have, um, you know, we're going to have different content. We're going to talk about different things. We're going to, you know, what's going on in the world, sports, social media, you know, whatever possibly could pop up on the stuff. I I don't want to generalize. I know I, I heard this one podcast the other day where the lady was literally talking about sewing. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. Um, because I don't know anything about sewing. So, you know, I'm going to do talk about what I know, which is what a comedian used to do. And I did comedy for 18 years, roughly 16 years, right about in that ballpark. And and so over the time, I've learned how to talk about things, take things that are happening in, in, in the world around us, and talk about it on stage. Well, this is my stage now. This is going to be my platform, the John D. Podcast, T-H-E-E. John D podcast. So hopefully it will be funny. Sometimes it'll be a little drastic, but hopefully nothing too major. Huh? How's that sound, people? All right. Sounds good to me. Let's talk about this whole thing with the grocery stores, people. Seriously. We went to Kroger a couple weeks ago. We still still can't get toilet paper. Why are you people buying toilet paper? Like, we're all... What? Like, we, we went... We were at Kroger... Crozier, and we went, and the toilet paper aisle was completely empty, right? The beer aisle stocked top to bottom with beer. What is wrong with you people? What's not you people? Because you people listen to this, you're probably pretty cool. You probably have some sort of a semblance of of reasoning to you. These people obviously don't. Uh, it also really pissed me off, and I'm gonna tell this, and if, if Kroger's listening. Uh, it really upset me and my wife that we sat there and watched Kroger employees, Kroger employees walking out with big, I don't, I don't call them cases, I don't know, bundles, what do you ever call them, of toilet paper and paper towels, and taking them out and shoving them in their car and then going back inside and going back to work. Are you serious? Are you, ser- are you serious? I am serious. I'm serious. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that people are going to sit there and you're going to hoard stuff. So you can be comfortable. Uh, all right, I'm just going to adjust the mic a little bit. All right, so this this is like the first episode, so it's going to be a little raw, people. 
it's not going to be quite what it could be. Production value is not going to be as good. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Just, you know, hear me out. Uh, but yeah, beer and toilet paper. I would think it would be the opposite. I'm just saying. I would think that you would uh, be more worried about beer than you are over toilet paper because you're stuck in the house with kids. You're stuck in the house with the wife. The wife and I, we've both been a little bit on edge today. And it's just the whole, you know, we had nothing to do. We got nothing to watch. We got, I mean, we, had, we do have plenty of stuff to watch because, Jesus, we subscribed to, was it Disney Plus, Netflix, Hulu? I've been watching a lot of the Wonder Years lately. Anybody like that show, The Wonder Years? It was one of my favorites back when I was in high school. I don't know why. I just, you know, Kevin Arnold, man. Guy was a... I related to him, I guess is what I was saying. Not that his childhood was anything like mine. It was just one of those ones where it was like, yeah. You know? It was a cool thing. So, been watching that and everything else. And it's... So, we've had plenty of stuff to do. It's just, But it's just the kind of like just being around and the same people all the time and... The kids acted up crazy, and he's, you know, but it's one of those things where you, you know, you just kind of got to, we're going to have to bear with it. And they're saying they don't know how long this is whole thing's going to take, which is really uh, not too good. Um, but at the same time, don't have to go out in order to enjoy a podcast, do you? You can sit at home and listen to it all you want. I wish I had something where I could do a video production quality. But if you saw the room I was sitting in right now, yeah, you'd be like, I don't want to, I don't want to see that. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's just full of uh, stuff. I got, I got plenty of, plenty of things. For instance, if you need an iron or a old stuffed fish, uh, I got you covered. Oh, and some tinsel. If you want some tinsel, I got that. I got that covered for you. No problem. It's funny. We've been talking about how we were trying to find stuff to do. My wife was talking to my, uh, was talking to our son and she was saying how they were going to make homemade Play-Doh and they were missing an ingredient. She's like, what's the main ingredient we're missing? And I was like, (laughs) Play-Doh. Yeah. What what better way to make Play-Doh than, you know, actual Play-Doh? I don't know what else. What else to say about it? You know the thing about Plato and Plato, uh, Plato and black people don't know this, but things like Plato, uh, what's the shit you put on the? Oh God, silly putty, silly putty, stuff like that. A lot of people don't realize that that stuff was actually made by, not really by accident, but they were going for some. They were trying to make stuff. And I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying, I'm not saying the whole story is correct, but basically they were trying to make something else and they ended up making that. Or along those lines, basically. Like Silly Putty, uh, they were trying to find some sort of a material. God darn it, I would have to, I gotta look this up now. Hold on, let me swig my beer first. Yep, we're gonna drink some beers on the show too, by the way. Um, Probably until I quit drinking, but let's look this up. How was Silly Putty invented? Whoop. There we go. How was Silly Putty invented by mistake? See, there you go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Silly Putty was invented by accident. It says, during World War II, the government asked chemists to search for a synthetic rubber substitute. Uh, they noticed that the compound 
polymerize. Why you got to use big words on this, people? To form a resilient, flexible material that was almost like rubber. Because everybody knows Silly Putty ain't like rubber. But the substance uh, tended to melt and it couldn't hold a solid shape. So, there you go. So what happened was people took this and they said, all right, Silly Putty. You know, we'll just make it... Which I think it's funny that they named it that. Like, well, it's it's kind of silly if you think about it. I mean, you can put it on your newspaper and you can put it on and then get the image on the newspaper and then you can put like, ugh. roll it into a ball, throw it at your brother, you know, shit like that. Get it stuck in your mom's carpet and have her yell at you. <clears throat> that's, uh, yeah, but that's that's how it came up to be. Accidental invention, accidental invention of silly putty, was actually because they, in World War II the military wanted a substitute for rubber because rubber was short. A lot of people don't realize rubber was one of the biggest things that people wanted in during World War II, and the Japanese and the Americans and everybody were. That's one thing they fought over. One thing they fought over in the Philippines, I think it was the Philippines, was rubber plants. Rubber plants. Yeah. All right. Nine minutes in. We're doing great. All right. <laughs> let's let's look up uh, Plato. Let's look up Plato. I want to see how Plato was invented, because I don't think Plato invention invention story. Let's go with the story. Plato was accidentally. Here we go. See, I do know stuff, people. I do know things. Plato was accidentally invented in 1955 by Joseph and Noah McVicker while trying to make a wallpaper cleaner. See what I'm saying? A wallpaper cleaner? It was marketed a year later by toy manufacturer Rainbow Crafts. More than 700 million pounds of Plato have sold since then, <clears throat> but the recipe remains a secret. Well, apparently not, because my wife and my son are trying to make it upstairs right now, so I guess it's not really that secret I don't know maybe the way they make it the accidental mention of Plato what else was invented oh man let's I'm now I'm into this all right what let's see what toys were invented by accident what toys well not toys 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 were uh, let's see invented by accident Hmm. What? <clears throat> okay, so this says seven classic toys with accidental beginnings. <laughs> uh, what's that like Cabbage Patch Kids on it? How was that in a an accident? I mean, those things are heinous, but don't get I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, seven classic toys with accidental beginnings. Okay. Your favorite toys were invented by mistake and weren't even meant to be toys. Okay. Eight things invented by accident. Seven things. Okay, let's do it. Let's do the seven. Let's go with seven. The holiday shopping season is upon us. Oh, this is where I uh, I gotta give it up to Bill Burr where he talks about how you, you just can't read an article. By the way, a huge fan of him. So if he ever happens to listen to this, huge fan, dude. And you, your, your podcast is awesome. So, um, yeah. Uh, Rubik's Cube. National Retail Federation's list begins with good old-fashioned Rubik's Cube. Well, how was that? Emo Rubik. That's 
Guy's got to be European. Back in 1974, uh, he invented the, the... Oh, it's okay. So it was a puzzle for design students. I guess he was a design instructor. <laughs> wow, but that makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, okay, so it was supposed to teach... Well, that's not really by accident. I mean, he made it as a tool to be used for teaching. So that's not really a... a an, well, all right. Maybe the fact that it was that it got so popular was an accident. I don't know. That's that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. All right. Now cabbage patch kid. This is I got a uh 1982 chubby face of a cabbage patch kid is undeniably an American icon. Says you, whoever wrote this. They just don't look they look freaking weird. I'm trying not to swear on this too much because the podcast is new and I don't know what I can get away with and what I can't. I'm sure I'll drop some F-bombs here and there, but um, I don't know. For now, I'm just going to try to keep it PG-13? 14. 13, 14? I don't know. Uh, yeah, so Cabbage Patch, the round chubby face of a Cabbage Patch is undeniably an American icon, like I just said, says you, but... He's popular Cabbage Patch Kid. Kids was a, actually a kid himself. What? And an art at that. Oh, an art student at that. I got my reading glasses sitting right next to me, but I refuse to wear them. The NRF. Oh, that's the people who are wrote. I, I don't know. Whatever. Explains that Xavier Roberts, or is it Xavier Roberts? Because I know a guy that, that he goes, it's Xavier, not Xavier. And I called him Xavier for like five months. And then he was like, actually, dude, it's uh, it's Xavier. All right. Works. Marketed his little... Yeah, the Xavier Roberts. Xavier, whatever. Marketed his little people dolls at craft fairs and folk art exhibitions before signing a contract with toy company Coleco in 1982. Do you, does anybody remember that? I don't know how many, what the age of a lot of people out there are, but I do. And I remember being a kid, and people were going absolutely shit back crazy over these over these Cabbage Patch dolls. They were literally freaking out about them, and they were I mean, people were paying thousands of dollars for one toy just so their kid could have that. Uh uh-uh, uh, I'm not doing that. Not to mention the thing is, it, I don't know, it's like a fucking Chucky doll. I, I'm not into it. I'm not into it. Oh, it never was. People went crazy over those things, though. I remember. Uh, I forgot who it was. Somebody I, when I was a kid, he and his sister got Cabbage Patch dolls for for Christmas. Like, look, we got Cabbage Patch dolls. And I'm like, nobody gives a shit. All right. Nobody cares. All right. Tickle Me Elmo. Really? Ron Dubrin's Elmo was a little younger than the toys that precede him on the list, but he still created a craze in 1996 that could only be compared to that enjoyed by the Cabbage Patch Kids more than 10 years earlier. Hmm. Children's Toy from Tycho Preschool, the division of Tycho Toys. Well, that would make sense. Uh, not as an Elmo. It was originally not created as an Elmo at all, but rather a monkey. And yes, he laughed when tickled. Because, you know, it's a Tickle Me Monkey. And that kind of rhymes. I like that. Tickle Me Monkey. Tickle Me Monkey. Why couldn't they make that too? 
Like, why couldn't they make a Tickle Me Elmo, a Tickle Me Monkey, a Tickle Me... I don't know. I mean, God, sorry, people. Ugh, I hate that thing. I can't figure out what, what it is. It's the smoke detector. Sorry. Ugh. Um... Okay, so the guy presented the, the Laughing Chimp in 1992, and the company agreed to buy the laugh technology, but decided to convert the monkey into an Elmo, drawing on the recent Sesame Street craze. Well, that's interesting. Slap bracelets. <laughs> okay. My son has like four of those. They're all pink for some reason. I don't... Whatever. No, they're not all pink, but they... He brought home one from school. He got it out of a treasure box thing where you get like rewards at school. And he brought it home and he was like, look what I got. And it was pink. And I hid it from him. Uh, no one can forget the twins consumers continue. This article's on Showbiz Cheat Sheet, by the way. This is what, uh, Cheat Sheet. So that's like, you know where I'm getting my sources from. Somewhat faithful, Stuart Anders, who originally created the wrist jewelry and then incidentally ran into the president of Main Street Toy Company, who liked his idea just as much as Anders did. Because who needs a bracelet when you... I, whatever. Etch a sketch, everybody. Etch a sketch. All right, let's see what this is. The age-old Etch-A-Sketch. One of the oldest toys on its list. This is another piece of entertainment that was created merely by accident, and its inventor bears the name of Andre Cassagnes. Cassagnes. Because the next thing says a French electrician. So I'm assuming it's Cassagnes. Who discovered during a light switch installation that aluminum powder can be used to create images. All right. Therefore, born in the 1950s, but originally called the Magic Screen. Okay, Magic Screen. Yeah, that's I. I don't know. I got nothing on that one. But um, Ohio Art Company, given a name change, Etch a Sketch made its debut for the 1960 holiday season and can still be found in households today, entertaining the youngest to very oldest. Says you. Have you seen a PlayStation? Yeah, I don't. I don't see an Etch a Sketch. Man, do they? I mean. I gotta make something better than that. Play-Doh, we talked about that one. Um, which I think that's crazy. See, all right, I knew about that one. Oh, the Slinky. Okay. Lastly, number seven. It's only uh seven long. That's all right, I got more show to do. Uh the Slinky, the helical spring that somehow continues to entertain consumers both young and old. The Slinky is actually the oldest toy on this list and was created in 1943 by a naval engineer named Richard James. Yeah, I always got to love somebody with two first names. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like Woody Allen or, uh, you know, any of those people. Richard James, who's actually working to develop a tension spring for a naval battleship. As the legend goes, James dropped a spring and watched it hit the ground, coming up with the idea that it would make a good toy for kids. As it turns out, he was right. <clears throat> and the rest is history. Hmm. They came up with that song. What was that song? What goes downstairs? I don't remember how it goes. But, uh, yeah. 
toys invented by accident. I just came up with that. I didn't even have that plan on talking about that. All right, 19 minutes in, 20 minutes almost. No, we're, there's no time limit on this. I'm not really sure how long my episodes are going to be. They could be anywhere from uh, 30 minutes to an hour. I'm not really sure. Depends on how much you want to listen, I guess, really. Um, I know people who do episodes that are 15 minutes. Quick, quick in and out, right? Just a quick in and out. That's what she said. All right. <clears throat> so uh, one thing I'd love to talk about is sports. Not that I know everything about them. Not that I'm all knowledgeable. I'm not one of people that pretends to be that. And I hate people who do. You ever been sitting in a bar and some guy's like, yeah, well, the Jets should have signed so-and-so and so-and-and this is Cam that and, you know, throwing out stuff they don't know shit about. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try not to do that. I'm going to try to just kind of... Ooh, there's my shirt. You can hear that. All right. I'm just going to try to talk about what's going on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the no sports is really getting... That's getting kind of kind of shitty. Which, you know, the X, XFL just got going. Uh, they're, they're not going to probably make it. Um, NFL's talking... They're still signing free agents. They still got people moving around on different teams. They still got people signing five-year, multi-year, multi-million dollar contracts. It's like, is there going to be a season next year? I don't know. NHL's on pause. NBA's, whatever. NCAA's canceled the entire season. It's it's rough. And I'm not trying to bring anybody down by it. But I do want to say this one thing. So, I have a friend of mine. He's a, he's a Caps fan. I, as I am. I love my Washington Capitals. 2018 Stanley Cup champions. They, uh, I have lived and died with that team. And if anybody doubts me, I'll, I'll fight your whatever. But... Um, I saw something funny on Facebook today, and it was uh, where this guy posted where he said <laughs> it was a picture of like it was a picture. All right, and uh, I'll tell you. So, anyways, it says basically it goes. It said the the meme or whatever it was said. I'm so uh, I'm so desperate for hockey right now. I went to the zoo and booed the penguins. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because nobody likes the Penguins unless you're the, unless you're a Penguins fan. But there's a lot of teams like that. You, they just don't you just don't like them unless you actually like them. But I think I think the Penguins are probably the most booed team in the league, and and I thought it was funny. Um, but no NHL, none of that stuff. Oh, it's my wife, everybody. Hello. Say hi, honey. How are y'all? <laughs> How are y'all? <laughs> They're probably fine. Of Liam and I's okay, Play-Doh. so I was just all right. Well, okay, so you just made Play-Doh, right? Smell it. It even smells like Play-Doh. It does smell like Play-Doh. What the? Because I would literally no. I just did this whole thing up where I was talking about how y'all were making Play-Doh, and I, we were like, "Well, we're missing an ingredient. Like, what's the one ingredient we're missing to make Play-Doh?" And I said, "Play-Doh." <laughs> it was so the tartar with the coin. Actually, had a really um, old, unopened thing of it, so I was like, "Well, it's we're not eating it." No, I don't, what would we use it for? I don't... Anyways, I did this whole thing about uh, seven toys that were made by accident. <laughs> they were. They're, uh, Play-Doh, Silly Putty, was actually... A war... I'm not going to rehash it for the listeners, but basically it was... Uh, that was a World War II. They were trying to make rubber, fake rubber, in World War II, and they made Silly Putty. Ooh. Good one. That's tequila. I know. I know people. I, I I'm not good for kids, but I just wanted to bring you a sample. Okay, so you made it. 
which that they said that okay so this is the thing in the article was that the recipe for play-doh is still a secret and i just said on here well obviously not because my wife and son are upstairs trying to make it right now but it smells like it it does smell like it it looks like i I don't want this don't know you're just gonna leave it with me all right Watch, yeah, watch the cord. The um, Pinterest thing says that it can last up to 10 days. Last up to 10 days. Okay, if you put I it... I haven't read if it's like sealed correctly. Or well, we'll just put it in with some regular Play-Doh, and I'm sure it'll last long. There you go. My wife's the inventive one, everybody. All right. So, see, Play-Doh's not so secret. All right. I got to adjust my levels here. Sorry, I'm trying to get all this right. Production quality. Oh, uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, so sports. Yeah, there's no sports, no NFL, no anything like that, which is really disconcerting. And it's depressing because that's the thing about sports. You know, you really, you get, it's it's fan, it's an escape, I think, for a lot of people as far as, you know, getting into something else that you are watching or listening or going to. I mean, I know it is for me. I love watching hockey. I love watching football and, you know, entertaining and the emotion of it and everything else like that. And now it's like, well, what? We have nothing else to really get into. Uh, it's it's hard. It's going to be tough. And I don't, I don't know what they're going to do about it, people. Really, I don't. And like I said, I'm not trying to t- talk about stuff that's too heavy duty, but geez, you're talking about, I mean, millions, billions of dollars. Dollars. Ugh. So, I guess I'm just going to have to play my PlayStation more and live the life that way. Um, and, of course, restaurants and, 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 and other places are closed, which has been kind of tough. Um, when I'm not doing, I mean, comedy clubs, all these places. This, thing is, this stuff is hitting people so hard that it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how much this has gone on and how deeply it's gone into. And I say, fuck the Chinese. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do it. Don't do anything weird, people. Don't cut it up to be something else. But no, it's just no. It's not fair. No, I, I just, <laughs> I just feel like this is. Uh, I can't. I don't even know how to talk about it. It, it. it just, it just feels like this is something that's. It's. We don't know. Uh, as my wife. She used the the hurricane reference the other day. She called it the cone of uncertainty because that's what it is. That it really is what it is. It's, you, it's just going to go away in two weeks. It's just going to go away in a month. It's going two months. It's going three months. It's it's getting it's getting rough, man. It's getting rough as far as mentally. Uh, but I just I feel like if everybody will just you know we just chill out a little bit, try to figure out some stuff, maybe we can get right through this and we'll be okay. You never know, right? We're gonna be we're gonna be all right. Hopefully, I mean, but, uh, you know, we got to make sure we stay mentally acute um, as far as what we're doing. And also, if you're like me and my wife and you don't have a job right now, take the time like I'm doing right now. I don't know. I don't want to get preachy, but take the time that you would normally be using to go to work. Take that six, seven, you know, two hours a day that you would usually use for work. Or 12 or 10 or whatever it is. And use it for something that you've always wanted to do. Um, you know, write a book. Do a podcast. Do something that's going to be... That's going to make you happy. 
because you've always wanted to do what you've thought. Oh my God, I don't have the time. That's advice my dad gave me. Ooh, I peeked out a little bit. Sorry. That's advice my dad gave me when I first I, I called him when stuff kind of started going down, and he's like, "Look, you know, do something you love, do something that you've always wanted to do, do something that, excuse me, that you're interested in." I've always wanted to do a podcast since I heard them first started listening to them, which I, I don't know why I didn't hear. I don't know why I didn't know about these things from before. I I mean, I knew about them, but I never really listened to them that much, and and. I got into them uh, a little over a year ago. Um, and I got into them because I would be at work and I work in a kitchen. And um, But I finally had unlimited data on my phone. I finally had uh, a phone where the battery could last for the entire day. I got to tell you, did my, my iPhone XR, XR, whatever you want to call it, that thing, I will go to work. I got a hundred percent charge. I'll go to work. I'll listen. I have listened to six or seven hours of podcasts, just earbud in, listening to stuff. That's what I love about podcasts, is because it's it's a radio show that you can listen to at any point in time, and that's fantastic. And the connection of it and everything, and it, it really because I'm just tired of regular radio. Because because listen, well, there's there's basically there's new music which comes out, which mostly sucks. There's classic rock, which, hey, who doesn't love classic rock? But guess what? You've heard it all before, right? Uh, <laughs> and then there's mix stations and stuff like that, which play all kinds of stuff. And then they play the same stuff over and over every two hours, and I was just getting tired of it. I needed something else to listen to. Podcasts were the way to go, and I love it. And um, there's some really good ones that, that I'll help promote if they ever asked me to, but I mean, there's really good ones out there. WTF with Mark Marin, uh, Burt Cast with Burt Kreischer, Bill Burr's Monday morning podcast. And I'm not saying they're associated with me whatsoever. I'm just telling you, they're ones that I really enjoy. And there's some other ones too, but those are the ones that are done by comics who are not only are they funny on podcasts and make a really great product on podcasts, but they're also very funny as far as I'm concerned on stage. And I really respect them as comics. And so... If if they don't mind me giving them a little endorsement, then then that's yeah, that's that's what I'm gonna tell. <laughs> oh, alrighty. Where are we at? Thirty minutes. All right. Uh also, uh on the show the show so this is gonna be on well, it's going to be on iTunes. It's going to be on Spotify, Google Cast, all that stuff like that. Um, I'm currently signed up through the website Anchor, uh, which is going to help me broadcast it out to everybody, all the platforms. So if you want to be a sponsor for the John D podcast, you shithead, I'm going to fix it. I swear. I'll try to get it fixed before next show. I apologize. But I'm already recording this and I hate editing, so we're just going to run through it. But if you want to be a sponsor on the John D. Podcast, T-H-E-E, John D., J-O-N-D, Podcast, uh, reach out. I can, I'm can. i going to get matched up with you. I'm going to do some ads. I can do some reads. I can do some talking, as you can hear. Um, but then also I'm going to do some ads for some, some other stuff that are more local and stuff like that. So um, where am I from, you might ask? Well... I'm not sure where you are, but I live close to 
the pretty good city. I'm not going to call it great, but pretty good city. No, it's a town where I was born. Richmond, Virginia is kind of my area. But um, I know a lot of these guys live in Los Angeles or New York or Chicago or like that. But hey, that's the great thing about doing a podcast is that you can do it from anywhere. So, But uh, if you want to be a sponsor, I can take sponsors on and I, I can read some copy definitely for sure. Also, if you go onto the link on my um, for my podcast, there is actually a... Uh, a button you can click on for listener donations. So if you want to throw me a buck or two, that's great. You know, it is hard times. So I'm not asking you for anything. I'm going to keep this content as free as possible forever, as, as far as I'm concerned. But if you want to throw in a couple of dollars, that'd be great. I can, I can get more setup of equipment. One of my goals is to buy, because uh, the studio I have now set up is is a, not a mobile one. I know I can do it on the phone. I can do all stuff like that. But I want to get a good, uh, not that you can leave the house. What am I even talking about? No, I'm just joking. But I want to get a, a mobile podcast kit where I can go out, I can interview people in other places, not just here. I think that'd be a good thing. But that's, like I said, I'm not asking for anything. But like I said, sponsor, listener donations, you can do that. Uh if there's a charity that I can help promote, I want to do that as well because I'm very much into charity work. I, I, I think charity is one of the biggest things. I know my wife, is. if she heard me say that, would probably be like, Char- charity? What do you ever do? I did. When I used to do stand-up, I did a lot of charity shows. I did a lot of charity shows because if it's something I can use that's going to help make, that I enjoy doing, that I that I loved doing, I love doing, I love doing stand-up. It, I didn't get out of it. okay. A lot of people have asked me over the course of time, and I guess I'll say this in my first ever episode because I hope this takes off and something comes out of it. People have asked me why, you know, why did you stop doing stand up? And I, it wasn't that I really stopped. It's just, it got to be the point where I really, I'm gonna get emotional right here in my first episode. <laughs> <clears throat> I've loved doing stand-up since I was a little kid. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite comics I used to listen to when I was a kid was Bill Cosby. Now, granted, yes, he's done horrible things in life and everything else, but I loved him. I loved him. I, I loved him. I, oh, God. I didn't think it was going to be like this. All right. But no, but, you know, I remember being a kid and, and my mom taking me into my room. I think it was a rainy weekend day or rainy day, no school or something. And uh, my mom and my dad later on supported it, but I, it was my mom. I, I know that, that she sat me down in front of. I had this record player that looked like it was like in a box, like in a case you could carry it with you. You know one of those? And she pulled out a Bill Cosby record. I don't remember which one it was, but I believe it was Why Is There Air? And I know, and I'm not promoting, I'm just saying, and she put, because that's the thing. Look, I, I know Bill Cosby ended up being a monster, but his comedy, it was, it was pretty good. But 
Anyway, she put on this record, and I listened to it, and I was just enthralled. Not only with the, the idea of somebody standing on a stage and talking, because basically when you do stand-up, when you're a comedian, you're trying to evoke, you're pretty much going for one emotion, and that's laughter. And it's a it's a hard thing to do. I mean, you're not you can sit there and write a song, a ballad, and it's sad. You can sit there and write a song, and it's you know like being a musician. And almost every single comedian wishes they were a badass comedian or a musician. But you know, songs can do so many different things. They can inspire. They can be sad. They can be you know all kinds of other stuff. Comedy, you're not doing that. You're basically there for one reason. And that's to make people laugh. Maybe make them think a little bit. Probably not too much. It depends on what kind of comic you are. But uh, back to the story. So I just, I, I fell in love with stand-up when I was a kid. And I, I grew up listening to people like Robin Williams and Eddie Murphy and uh, Pryor. I, I definitely studied some Pryor. George Carlin. I remember I used to sneak downstairs at, you know, 1.30 in the morning when I was a kid and listen and watch George Carlin. Cause I'd look so back in the day, <clears throat> uh, there was, <laughs> they would have the, the, there was a little book that got, if you had cable, there was a little book that got mailed to you and it was the TV listings for the cable network. And you could look up like HBO and, and Cinemax and stuff like that. <clears throat> Sorry. And, I would look it up, and I remember I'd look, and I'd be like, "Oh!" And it was it would be like George Carlin, you know, whatever special it was. I don't really remember right offhand, but and I'm like, "Oh God, I gotta, I gotta watch this." And I would sneak downstairs and I'd watch it, and I'm pretty sure my mom knew what was going on, but she never really said anything. Uh, or or later on, once we got a VCR, this is before we had a VCR, we were probably one of the last people in the world to get a VCR. You could actually record it. Remember that? You could figure, try to figure out how to do it. And it was like trying to um, set a rocket ship to go into space, like that type of thing. Like it was that complicated. Like you had to turn this knob and push this button. And when this thing said, went red, then you had to push the timer. And then if that worked, then you had to set the launch code. And then you might you might get half of the show you're trying to watch. So so anyways, um, and then when I was, when I was uh, 24... 24 yeah 26 24 um i knew a young lady that uh anyway so i so i grew up watching stand-up i always watched it i always i always watched it anytime i could i watched it and i very much enjoyed it and then when i was um 24 i knew a young lady that had gotten free tickets to a place called garvin's which was the local comedy club in Fairfax. I used to live in the D.C. area for quite a few years. There's a place called Garvin's. And she got free tickets to that. Um, and she and I and her co- one of her co-workers and her boyfriend went uh, to this show. And the headliner was none other than the illustrious Louis Black. And he he literally just he blew me away. Blew me away with how, and I just fucking loved it. I loved the the club. I hate to say it, I loved you know, the cigarettes, the just the scene, just the 
intimacy of it, you know. And so I went and we went and I was pounding on the table. And of course, Lewis is, I mean, I've had the privilege of talking to him several times in person off stage. Uh, he's even at one point, probably not now, but he actually walked past me a couple times at the DC Improv when I was there hanging out to just see him. And he said, hey, John, what's up? That was pretty cool. Um, but anyways, he was the first, he was not the first comic I ever saw live. I take that back. When I was in high school, my brother was in college at Radford. We would drove down there to visit my brother for the, uh, his freshman year of college, my freshman year or sophomore year, somewhere in that range of high school. We went down and saw Stephen Wright. And I, I had Stephen Wright's I Have a Pony, that album. I had that album. And it was one of those albums like Beastie Boys License to Ill, <laughs> Uh, you know, other albums like that that I played so much, I literally wore the tape out. You know, it was that I loved it that much. Stephen Wright's a fantastic, amazing writer. So we actually went down to Radford, which I guess Roanoke, whatever. We went down to Radford and we went and saw Stephen Wright on on the college campus, and he was absolutely brilliant. And um, so he he was actually the first stand up comedian I ever saw live. Um, and, and not that his style or anything was anything like I had, but it was just amazing to watch. Just, he, I mean, he's such a, he had that, Hey, I got a, um, one of his favorite jokes. Well, I'm trying to think of one he has right now. It's, uh, he's like, yeah, I used to work at Logan airport. I parked jets. I got fired cause I kept locking the keys in them. <laughs> he's like, you know how hard it is to get in through a window and a coat hanger on a, 20 foot step ladder or I hacked it up a little bit, but that's basically, you know, that's the brilliance of Lewis. So Stephen Wright and then uh, Lewis Black and um, we went back. No, it was that night. Yeah, it was that night. Now that I think about it, it was, um, it was that night that they announced that there was, there's an open mic. At the, at the comedy club. It's on a Wednesday. So they, they did shows like Friday and Saturday. They might have had a Thursday show. They threw in every once in a while for a showcase. I think that came later on. But um, I know. Do you really want to hear my whole story? Well, I'm telling it to you. Um, but yeah, so I went to the back. I told Lewis, hey. And I'd heard of him before. I just had never seen him. And I went and I said, hey, man, you're amazing. You're very funny. Lewis, obviously, he does the whole stuff with politics and everything else like that. But he's just—he's goddamn funny. What is this? What is the one album he did? He recorded like Minnesota. He's like, it's hot, it's cold, it's hot, it's cold. It's not weather, it's malaria. Uh, talking about the fall, he's like, yeah. Then a big wind comes along, and nothing but sticks for the rest of the year. Like that's—he's <laughs> just uh, so. Anyways, so I went and. Uh, I went and said, "Hey, man, I I really enjoyed you, and I'm I'm thinking about doing the the open mic here for comedy. I, I've always wanted to try it." And he goes, "Just get your friends together." He said, "Write five minutes, and just have fun." He's like, "And if you like it, you'll keep doing it." And uh, so I don't I don't think I went that week. Um, I think we went and uh, back a week or two later, and I we saw um, Mitch Fatel. Who's awesome. Love Mitch. He's the funniest shit. I actually got to work with him at one point later on in my career. And it was really, really enjoyable. <clears throat> so 
we uh, went back and then I went and I, I did. I wrote five minutes. I wrote five minutes of material. Stuff that was awful, but at the same time, it was, you know, it, it was representative of where I came from. From I think I had a bit about um, <clears throat> the old, uh, back in the day, the old, the old Puma sneakers with the big fat laces on them. Yeah, I was back in the, I went to Richmond Public Schools, so a lot of the kids wore those. Uh, they were the fashion at the time, and they would take the big fat laces and they would color lace. They would like lace the two different colors on the top of the shoe. <laughs> and then, so we would play football at recess, right? And the, 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 so like you go to kick off, and it was, you know, we didn't have a tee or anything. So like one kid had to like hold the ball. And then like one kid would kick off and you kick off and whenever you did that, or sometimes you just punt it, just try to do that. And um the it would always be you would see the ball would go arching, and then you'd see the the Puma or Adidas uh run DMC, my Adidas. And you'd see but you see the shoe go flying a little bit lower arc than the football itself. It was a little bit less and it would kind of go out <clears throat> and um Inevitably, there would be at some point, because the field we played on was pretty good size, but inevitably, uh, some one of the kids would get hit with the shoe, like in the head or something. And um, so I I did a bit about that. I uh, I don't remember a whole lot more than that. It was kind of spotty. And I had some hacky stuff I did, or not hacky, but evergreen or whatever you want to call it. I did a, had a bit about the crocodile hunter. I had a bit... But anyways, I just I kept trying. I kept working. I did open mics and open mics. And then um, I actually almost quit And uh, at one point because I was having a hard time getting on stage. I only had one chance to get on stage a week. And that was at, uh, well, it was Garvin's. They didn't make a place called Wiseacres. And that place is always special to me. It's always going to be special to me. And um, I was getting ready to walk out the back of the club. I hadn't gotten on stage for the week. There was, you shithead. Uh, sorry. Um, I hadn't been on stage that week. I hadn't been on stage the week before. I was frustrated. I wanted to get on stage. Uh, sorry. No, that's not what happened. I hadn't been on stage the two weeks prior to that because there were so many comments coming out. They were drawing names and I hadn't gotten on. I'd gone up. I'd had a terrible set. I don't remember why. It just, it just didn't go right. I was walking out of the back of the club and there was two guys sitting there and these are Actually, it was three guys sitting there. And these three guys helped me get such a huge leg up on being a comic to where I eventually... I mean, they were awesome. There was three of them. It was Big Al Goodwin, Mark Matusoff, and Mike Diesel. And uh, Mike and Mark were running the club at the time. They were booking... People and then Al, of course, was at the time very much a big—I don't know how to say it, Al—but very much a big re- regional kind of headliner. And he, but he was, I mean, he, you know. And uh, they stopped me because they could see I was visibly upset. And they said, "What's the matter? What's the matter? What's wrong?" And I was like, "I had a terrible set. I didn't get on last week. I, you know, it's just this is shit. I don't. I'm. I'm. I don't, maybe I'm just not meant to do this." And they sat there and they said, no, no, no. They said, hey, chill out. <laughs> chill out. No, they said, they said, dude, calm down. You know, 
you're new. How long have you been doing this? And I was like, I don't know. And I think at the time it was a couple months, maybe. But even then, I'd, I'd probably only done about eight or 12, eight to 12 sets. That'd be my estimate, somewhere in there. And they said, dude, just chill out, man. They're like, you're, you just got to get more stage time and you just got to get more, you know, keep writing. They're like, all three of them said, your ideas are good. Um, you, you, you've got great ideas. You just don't know how to bring them out of yourself yet. And Mike and Mark looked at me and said, hey, you know, Mike Teasel especially looked at me uh, and said, you know, um, which Mike was a road comic at the time. Mark Matusov was a very well-traveled comic and so was Al Goodwin. And they said, look, are you, are you coming back next week? And I was like, yeah, I guess so, you know, whatever. And they said, Mike said, come back next week. I'll make sure you get on. I said, all right. I went back next week. I had a pretty decent set to the point when I was driving home. I was like, okay, okay, I, I, I could do this. I could do this. He said, he said, come back next week. I'll make sure you get on. And he would literally, because they were at the time, there was so many <clears throat> comics that they were drawing numbers like out of a bowl to see. And Mike would always just be like, and I don't think it mattered what the number was. He'd be like, oh, John, John's on. <laughs> and he'd write my name on the list. Um, and then I got a little bit older, got a little better. I think after I've been doing, you know, I started uh, doing guest spots on the weekends on the, on the regular shows. Then I started hosting a little bit, got paid a little bit for that. And then, um, Mark and Al and Mike started making me kind of rotation where they would, um, take me out on the road with them. You know, I'd be like a feature and this would be some of the sets would be, you know, um, the shows would be basically, there was, there was no MC. Like it would be like, I remember one place we went to where it was, uh, there's no MC. So you're the feature and the feature spot is kind of great because you just kind of ride the wave. You got the MC and he talks to you, you know, he comes up, he does 10 minutes, whatever he introduces you, which is always nice. And then you just kind of ride the wave for 20 to 30 minutes where you just kind of keep the crowd rolling. Then you let the headliner go on and he can finish the show off. <clears throat> 45 minutes, an hour or whatever, but you don't have to deal with anything being a feature. You don't have to deal with check drop where people are paying their, their drinks and stuff like that while you're still trying to do stand up, which is one of the hardest things that I ever experienced when I eventually got to be a headliner uh, a little bit, not a little bit. I, I did it quite a bit, but, but anyways, um, so they started taking me on the road with them. I started getting more and more notoriety. I started working for and because they would, they'd say, Hey, you know, they vouched for me. They said, hey, this guy, John, he's, he's good. He's a good feature. He's got a good 15, 20, which is all what you needed. But, oh, I was going to tell you the story. So we were in this, uh, uh, I forgot where we were, and I forgot which headline I was working with. But it was one of those three guys. I want to say it was Al. <clears throat> and I want to say we were down somewhere like southwestern Virginia, eastern Kentucky type of situation. And uh, so we're sitting there in a, I want to say it was on a riverboat that was a restaurant. Uh, and it was a nice restaurant. They had good food, but that riverboat wasn't going nowhere. That's all I can tell you about the condition of it. But anyways, so we were, we're sitting there and the, the owner goes up and he's like, hello, everybody, and welcome to Stand Up Comedy Night. You're a host tonight. No, you're, no. What do you say? Oh, he's like, the first comedian tonight is John D. Miller. 
John D. Miller, everybody. And that was it. That's not the worst I ever had, though. I did have one that was worse where the guy was like, hello and welcome to comedy night. Here's the comedy. <laughs> that's just, that's just, just walk up. And, and then, of course, what you would do is you would uh, you would do the comedy. You do your set, which however long you could possibly hang on for in a, in a room full of people uh, that are probably not, you know. Um, and then And then you would bring up the headliner and then he would do his thing and you would go to the bar and try to forget why you made such a critical choice in life. But, um, so yeah, so that's why I started doing it. And then I just kept doing it and I got, I got in with more and more bookers. I got in with funny bones and commie zones and, you know, uh, other companies that would, you know, independent clubs. And I was, I was making, you know, I was doing okay. Uh, I was moving up and then I hit a, spot where I was I headlined some and I featured mostly and I was a good feature I was a good I, I mean I could give you a solid 30 that would you know knock your socks off and a pretty darn good 45 to 50 if I was headlining but I wasn't necessarily as good as I you know as I could be and that's what happens you know sometimes you get that and um I just, I don't know. It was right before I met my now wife. And I, I even took her to some gigs. And my wife encourages me to, to do stand-up all the time. And I um, I got to a point. I just didn't feel it anymore. It was almost like that, that scene in the Doors movie where the Indian ghost guy like, like goes away. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's something that I love to do. It's something that I... I've always joked that it left me. I don't think it left me. I think it just kind of became something where... You know, you got to have it in you. Just like Lewis Black said. If it's in you, you'll do it. And, you know, I got other things to worry about. I got a wife. I got a kid. I got uh, I got other stuff to worry about. I got other ways and means I want to do it. But it really just came down to... I just felt like I hit a glass ceiling. And I just wasn't going anywhere with it. And it just got frustrating. And, you know, I could support myself sort of doing stand-up. But it was also just the travel. You know, I got a family. I don't know how some of these guys that I, I listen to, some of these guys, they go on the road for two, three weeks, a month at a time. And I I can't do that. I love my family too much. I'm too much of a homebody now anyways. But, you know, being a, being a road comic, being doing stand-up, it's a lonely, hard time. It's not something that's made for everybody. And it's people are saying, oh, you know, if it's one of those things you love to do, it's what you do. And maybe in one aspect, what I did wrong was, you know, I cut my teeth on road comedy. And that's hard, you know. What I should have done a long time ago, um, and what a lot of comics who are famous today told me in the, in the past, they said, you need to go to New York, you need to go to L.A. I wish I'd gone to L.A., you know. I want to do cartoon. I want to do cartoon voices and do comedy at night, and uh, but it just didn't work out. But I still think I'm a pretty funny dude. I still think I can do something, and uh, so that's what this podcast is all about. And that's my story. And there's more details I didn't I didn't put in there, but who gives a shit, right? <laughs> so, anyways, uh, like I said. 
if you want to be a sponsor, great. If you want to, uh, um, there is a there is a link on my uh, podcast thing. That's where you can make a, a listener contribution. I'm not asking for anything. It is tough times right now, and but hey, if you if you got it, yeah, tell me a little bit. What are you What are you gonna do? Anyways, closing remarks, um, and then we'll get this whole thing done with. Wow, I managed to fill almost a whole hour, and it wasn't all bullshit. Um, so yeah, so all right, so take care of each other out there, people. Please, don't be mean. Don't buy all the fucking toilet paper. You don't need. I know. I just went in. Seriously, how much toilet paper do you need? How much? You know. It's it's ridiculous. I hope that right now. I mean it. It's already been, this is the thing about all this, is that it's already been a very tumultuous time in our country as far as what's going on with politics and race and everything else like that. It's already been so tumultuous. And then we get something like this going on. Ooh, let's keep our heads, let's keep our sanity. Let's just, you know, let's watch out for each other, make sure everybody's okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to look out for somebody who's being a dickhead, but, uh, you know, I got my friends out there. I got people I know that are, that need help. And that I know people that are good. They're still good in the world. People, we just got to make sure we find it and we cultivate it like anything else. And we got to make sure we cut the hate down and the, you know, us versus them mentality, because that's not what it's all about. And that's, uh, that's what we need to do. We need to, I'm not saying stay positive because I'm probably one of the most negative people you will ever meet in your time in your entire life. Oh, I'm always complaining about something, but you know what? I also know that, that there's people, there's good people out there and we're all, you know, so anyways, like subscribe, download. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. That's been the first ever episode of the John D podcast. T H E E. John J-O-N Miller initial D. I'm your host, John D. Miller. Thanks for listening, and I'll get back to you shortly. All right, guys. Take care. Bye.